and uh, I said, I need a stool and a podium, and I want to sit, and I'm going to try my best to sit and chat with you guys today, right? Um, and just have an intimate setting with you guys and a, an intimate moment with you guys. And I said uh, to Danielle and Pastor Doug, I, I want to go back into worship as like, the, like I feel it would be like a place for activation once you hear what the Lord's put on my heart, a place for uh, impartation, a place for encountering God. Because that's what we're going to talk about today is encounters with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit embracing us and transforming us. And um, if you know me, I, I'm a, a spitter and a sweater and, and, and I love to preach and sometimes we'll preach like T.D. Jakes, but God has had me in a new vein lately. But anyways, um, I still get passionate, but uh, it's just become more intimate, and I really like it. Uh, but uh, before I jump into just briefly what the Lord's put on my heart, uh, I'm going to share a lot with you really fast. So try to take notes. If not, order the CD if you guys still do CDs or download it or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, but uh, my, my wife does send her love. My son sends his love to you. He's a little bummed. He lost his football game yesterday. He's playing full contact uh, football at the age of eight, almost eight. He's almost eight. Uh, and he's uh, on the O-line as well as a defensive lineman and doing awesome. I'm, I'm believing he'll be my retirement. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm believing for it. Either a doctor, lawyer, or football player. Either way, he's taking care of me in my old age. But anyways, I clothed you, boy, for years. It's your turn, you know. Uh, but anyways, they do send their love. Uh, miss them so much. I've been here since Friday. Won't get home till Tuesday, and then Wednesday, I have a meeting with the church, and then I'm in the woods hunting. That's what I'm looking forward to, you know. That's how I just process and rest is in the woods with a bow in my hand, you know, and uh, if you're a vegetarian, I apologize. Um, actually, I'm sorry that you're not eating that delicious stuff, but anyways, um, <laughs> but uh, man, I just, I wanted to thank Pastor Doug and Mama Cindy and, and Harvest Renewal uh, for just partnering with us in prayer. You, I know you guys partner with us in prayer. And uh, every time we come here and we get a love offering honorarium, it goes right into the ministry and the work that we're doing. And so you guys have a part. As you guys partner, you have part in what Wake Ministries is doing. I just sat with um, about 50 Brazilian uh, students um, in Brazil uh, Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., Rudy. I had to get up at 6 a.m. because of the time change difference and got to speak on spiritual authority to about 50 young people uh, over Zoom. And uh, we had such a, phenomenal, <clears throat> such a phenomenal time that when I got off, I had a 40-minute slot. When I got off, everyone was like, is that over? Is it done? We want more. Bring them back, you know. Uh, so I'll be going back in, to Brazil in January where we're expecting 500 young people at this school. So we're super excited about that. So it's things like that as you guys partner with me, and you guys have, and I appreciate that. Uh, as you guys partner with Wake Ministries, uh, you take part in that impact that we're making, not just nationally, but globally. And I just wanted to thank you guys for it. Uh, today, I want to speak real quick. Uh, I, I want to just share some thoughts, if you will. Um, and and I, I titled this conversation, um, the Lord titled it, and I was telling uh, Danielle how right on what they were sharing uh, just in, in worship, how right on and how confirming uh, it was what the Lord wanted me to uh, share with you guys today. 
And I just want to share briefly on this right here, and uh, if my iPad will work. Uh, the birthing of Revelation is what I'm t- titling this, The Birthing of Revelation. And I wanted to start out by sharing a vision that I had uh, coming over here, and I didn't understand it until this morning. I had a vision of people going to the throne and turning in their old swords, swords, and, and new ones being dis, uh, distributed to them. How many of you know this word, you don't add or take away, this has uh, stood the test of time. What I believe it was, was revelation. It was fresh manna that was relevant for today and where we are today. Come on, somebody. How many of you know some of us have partnered with things that were appropriate for the season that we were in And now it's just a good thing, but it's not the appropriate thing for this season. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and we gotta guard our heart that we don't complain when God introduces something new to us that demands something new from us. We've gotta partner with it. Come on, somebody. You are where you are today because of the things that were appropriate for you to partner with yesterday. But eventually your future is going to be your present. And your present is going to be your past. And who you are in the future will be determined by what you partner with in the present. I want to preach that. But anyways... So when I saw the turning in of old swords and new ones being distributed, I really believe this is a season that God is pouring over the church a a, a fresh manna, a fresh revelation that we are to steward. Um, It's appropriate. Maybe we've been operating in what's good, but good's not always appropriate. Does this make sense? So, so far, I'm going to expound upon it. Good's not always appropriate. I love this. It's like a son of Issachar anointing landing on the church in this hour like never before, where you're discerning the times and knowing what to do. In Luke 9, the disciples wanted to call forth. They wanted to regurgitate an old thing in a new place. They're like, you just want us to call down fire like Elisha did or Elijah did? That was a good thing. It was the appropriate thing for then. But it would have been the inappropriate thing for now. I love this because I shared this with the leaders a little bit. But this is so worth mentioning. Jesus looks at them in Luke 9, verse 54, I believe it is, 55. He says, you don't know what spirit you're from. See, if you're trying to administer or if you're trying to operate in something that's not led by the spirit within this time frame, Your actions are inappropriate. Well, it was good. It was something that God ordained then. Yeah, it was what he ordained then. But don't decorate a new season with old functions. Don't decorate a new season with old functions. Uh Uh-huh. So... In this exchange of old and new, it was like, God's like, don't covet what those swords accomplished. Celebrate what it accomplished. But those swords are dull and they're not relevant for today. And I saw him pouring out a sound. 
that is requiring, come on somebody, requiring a function, a movement from the church. He's pouring out for us to discern. First of all, he's causing us to discern what's going on, but instead of sitting and complaining about it, he's giving us revelation to know what to do about it. Come on, somebody. For Elijah, it was appropriate to deal with the present situation by just calling down fire. But today, that would be an inappropriate thing, even though it was a good thing. Okay? As I was in worship, I got to move on. I I don't want to expound upon certain things for too long, but there is a flow to this. In the worship, I saw us sitting at a big, huge banqueting table. And this phrase came to my, my heart and came to my spirit. Upper room suppers. Upper room suppers. And God said, Ryan, when a truth of manif- like when a truth is manifested, it elevates your perspective, upper. Elevates your perspective. And he says, I want to bring through a revelation that's relevant for today. I'm bringing revelation to elevate my people's perspective. And I want to bring an elevation of perspective through them feasting on this relevant, fresh revelation. What does God want to do in you? What is he manifesting to you? Let me say it this way. What does God want to do through you? What is he currently manifesting in you? Because I believe revelation is a manifestation of divine truth. So what is God manifesting in you really points to what he wants to do through you and what you're called to. Freely receive, freely give. So if you're being overwhelmed with the manifestation of God's love, he's renewing love for others in you at the same time. The love that you had for people up to that encounter, up to that cultivation through a manifestation, the love that you operated in up to that manifestation and cultivation was good. It was amazing. But God says there's more of of a love that's relevant for today that's appropriate for you to operate in and have flow out of you. God fills you with what he wants to erupt out of you. And so I felt like the Lord is like, what you feast on, come on, is the things you release and are called to release. So like if God is calling, it calls in you to... To, to just, if he's expounding love in you, that means he wants to expand your love for others that are around you. It's not what you've been operating in, it's not that it was bad, but a greater measure is what's appropriate and relevant for today. Does this make sense? And so I saw us feasting on revelations, man. Revelations, just feasting on the encounters with the Lord. And I started to think, like, and literally, I saw y'all sitting at the table, and some of you were pigging out, man, (laughs) at this banqueting table, man. Can I tell you something? I believe this is a season, corporately and nationally, that there is such an outpouring of revelation, which is manifestations of divine truth, not theory. People are going to have personal encounters with the manifestation of divine truth, in church and in America where it's going to be impossible for people to push their lies and hide behind their lies. 
Come on. But I saw this elevation of, of perspective and it was coming through you feasting on the revelation. God's like the present, your present level of perspective and what's being erupting out of you is good, but a greater measure that I want to expound upon through a touch and encounter with you and interaction with you. That's what's appropriate. An expanded greater measure is what's appropriate. Come on, somebody. As darkness increases, the light in us needs to increase. We need to stop sitting around and complaining about what's happening and saying, God, expand something in me that will erupt out of me and change what's happening. So I was thinking of this upper room suppers. I was like, Lord, this is weird. And so for the little time that I have left, I want to talk a little bit about upper room suppers. Because can I tell you something? The upper room, you'll see in the Old Testament, we're going to read a scripture. I'm going to reference something in the New Testament. But this is so cool. This is what the Lord showed me. The upper room experiences that people had in the Old Testament and New Testament brought transformation. And I see that the upper room was a room, if you will, a place where God met his people, they encountered him. The upper room was an encountering room. Upper rooms in the Old and New Testament were actually birthing rooms. Upper rooms were supper rooms to feast on him. And God wants us daily. Give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to create an upper room space, if you will, in laying down at his feet so that he can pour a drink out over us. Drink the cup. Like he wants us to drink of the sweetness of the cup. He wants us to sit at his feet and he wants us to encounter him. And so I want to talk briefly again just on upper room, supper rooms. Is that okay? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. Y'all, I'm doing good. Pastor gave me three minutes and I'd be up preaching like a wild man. And uh, we're uh, eight minutes in. <laughs> gotcha. You know, <laughs> I do want to jump up some, you know. But 1 Kings 17, look at 17 through 24. Just real quick. Now it happened. I'm going to read this. 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24. Now it happened after these things that the son of that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Good gracious. There are some churches that have no breath in their lungs. No movement of the Spirit. We need to create a space for Holy Spirit to have room to move. And I see that here. Come on, somebody. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room. The upper room is a birthing room. Where life is introduced. To the upper room where he was staying, he laid him on his own bed 
Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard. Mm, Can I just stop it? May his soul come back to him. See, Holy Spirit wants you, your soul to encounter his kisses so that he can renew your mind and bring your mind back to the mindset that they had in the garden before they fell from him. So Jesus wants to lay on your soul. He wants revelation to engulf your mind. So that he can bring your soul back to the mindset they had that was molded by God before they fell in the garden. Here am I, Lord. Soul and came back to him and he revived. Let me go back to this. And he stretched himself out to the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. In the upper room experiences, in the upper supper, come on, let's just call it that, in the upper supper, come on somebody, that's where you're renewed, refreshed, brought back to original value and where you're revived and Elijah took and gave him to his mother and Elijah said to her your son lives then the woman said to Elijah now by this I know that you are a man of God that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth this truth was alive in Elijah it was alive in him but can I tell you something it erupted out of him And it rocked the people around him. God established this resurrection truth in him before he needed it. Then he depended on it and a kid was raised from the dead and revived. Can I just say this? God will put in you now what you need later. In the upper room, God might reveal a revelation to you that has no relevancy for right now but it has everything to do with where you're going. He gives you a word to give you comfort. He gives you a word to rely on. He gives you a word to fight with that when you step into a battle, that word then comes alive and becomes so relevant and you lean on it and trust it and then healing and the miraculous is manifested. Does this make sense? But here's the thing. 1 Kings 17 17 through 24, there's some things that the Lord just just really highlighted to me, I want to land. First of all, I think it's crazy how this woman, something that was so personal to her, something that she loved and cherished, ends up dying, being taken from her, right? Can I tell you something? It was like the enemy was eating her lunch. The enemy came against her, came in like a flood, and it looked like no standard was being risen on her behalf. But can I tell you something? This is a season that God is wanting to cultivate and he, something in us where we have to put off the former conduct and put on the very relevancy of heaven here on earth. We need to stop wanting to eat stale bread and, 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 and stop talking about the currents we rode in the past and it's time that we get our inner tube and jump on the new current that's flowing from the heart of God. 
Don't covet your past where you miss out on the current current. You've got to let some memories die. You've got to let certain things go. Come on, somebody. You've got to let certain things die so that the new can live. We need to stop making idols out of the old and we need to start making those things die. I'm starting to get itchy now. But, but, but seriously, we need to get to a place where we let the old go and we embrace the new. Well, this wasn't how we've done it before. Can I tell you something? That needs to die. Cause, cause we pray for more, we pray for new, but then when God brings it and it challenges us, we're like the Israelites and just want to go back to Egypt. To where it's right. But watch this. She, something that was so precious to her, come on, affected her life, it impacted her life, now is dead. Can I tell you something? There is some things, watch, you'll always take the impact of something with you, but sometimes you're not called to take certain things that made that impact with you. If you're obsessed with what was, you'll never embrace what is. If you focus on what was relevant but is in the past, you'll miss out on the relevant current of heaven. So we got to let certain things die. I'm not saying, yeah, let the memories live, let the impact live, but you need to let it go. And let me just say this, there's some things that behaviors, come on, that God, watch, wants you to encounter him in this upper room. He wants you to feast on a revelation, a manifestation of divine truth that causes certain former conducts to die so that Christ will remain and Christ will live through you. In the past, I was this way. That was my former conduct. But the latter glory is coming to this temple like in Haggai. And that glory is Christ shining through me. I, and, and I really believe that this is a season. God's cultivating the things that need to be cultivated in the church. And revelation prunes it before it becomes fruitful in your life. And so revelation takes out of your life former conduct so that the things of Christ can then become fruitful and shine in your life. Does this make sense? So the word of God cuts... And then the, the, the word of God sets itself in you like a seed and then eventually becomes fruitful if you operated it and steward it properly. Okay? I'm all, I gotta move on. I'm almost done. But she, he, she, something died that was personal. Something that she had with her for who, who knows how many years is now gone. Can I tell you something? There are certain things that walk with us in the past that can't walk with us into our future. There's certain conduct, certain behaviors that may have been left alone in the past, but God's raising the standard in the church. And he says, all right, baby, we're going to focus on that, expose that. And I'm going to expose that behavior by revealing to you the behavior of Christ. And you've got to let that behavior die if you're ever going to see something live. Because that behavior right now is killing things. And you need to let that die so the right things can live. Mm. But anyways, I, I think this is crazy because we need to lay those things at Jesus' feet and just bring it to him and say, Lord, here. And I think this is crazy. Jesus, like, like uh, the prophet lays him on a bed and then he lays on this young man, right? And I just thought of like Jesus laying upon us, the church, and putting to death what should never be in us, but remained in us. 
But then I saw Jesus laying on us, the presence of God laying upon us, Holy Spirit hovering in us, like in Genesis 1. Hover there in Genesis 1 is actually a reproductive word. Jesus, God, spoke the word and Holy Spirit produced, reproduced it on the earth. I see Holy Spirit laying upon the church like never before, like this prophet laid on this young man to bring to life the things that need to be brought to life. Bringing us alive in Him. Producing in us, reproducing in us what's in the Father's heart. Come on, somebody. I see, because like, can you imagine when this boy woke up, he probably was face to face, eye to eye with the prophet. God wants us to have those face to face encounters where we wake up and no longer see the problem, but we're overwhelmed by the revelation. Where, where we just see Christ, where at, fir- at, at one point we saw ourselves. Come on, somebody. Face-to-face encounters. I wrote this down in my journal, and I wanted to share this with you because I feel like it's so relevant. So he laid the boy down and then laid upon him. When we have these upper room encounters with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit hovers, reproduces the Father's delight in you. You become so one, so overtaken by the Father's delight that after that encounter, you're reflecting His delight a little bit better, a little bit brighter, a little bit more. When you have these face-to-face, upper-room, supper encounters with the Lord, He's calling certain things to come off of you, and He's putting certain things on you. And I love this because this is what the Lord had me write down. I I, I prayed this and I'm going to speak this now. God, I want to lay down with expectations. I want to lay down with great expectation at the feet of you, Jesus, today to receive whatever it is that you're speaking and doing. I want that to come upon me. But you've got to create the upper room. You need to come, because watch, He's create, he's, he's established the supper, but you've got to establish the, like, the connection. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. You gotta, you gotta create the upper room so you can have a supper. An upper supper. Come on, somebody. And this is what I wrote down. I, I lay at His feet excited to taste today what is in the cup of the Lord. He drank the bitter cup so that we can indulge from the sweet cup of intimacy. I don't want to know in theory, but personally, the beauty our father possesses. Can I tell you something? This woman up to this point knew about God in theory, but it wasn't enough to prevent her from doubting God. I don't want to know in theory, but personally, the beauty of our father and what our, the beauty our father possesses. Holy Spirit loves to encounter you. Encounters are embraces, kisses from heaven. He wants you to encounter Him, and He wants to reproduce in you the perspective and the eyesight that is so fixed on the beauty of God. 
He wants, he knows of the beauty of God. And when you call upon him, he lavishes you with that beauty. Come on. I had this vision of a beautiful room and, and this, this like beautiful chamber. And I knew it was the very insides of God's heart. And I was wowed in and I was awed over it at a, uh, to a point. But this is what I felt just a couple weeks, days ago. What I felt was personally, I was trying to decorate that room based off of my theories rather than allowing the Father to open up and reveal the very things that were in that room. When you create an upper room and you have an upper supper, you're not trying to decorate that experience with what you think you know about God. He actually, you start feasting on the very nature of God, the very reality of God, the very... DNA of God, Holy Spirit starts to produce in you the uh, uh, through encounter, your eyes open to the very beauty that God possesses. And I promise you, you'll a lot of times be left struck with awe and shocked at what God reveals to you. See, we go in with a good idea like about God and we think in theory we know God. So we try to decorate our experience and try to conjure something up. But when we really truly just lay at his feet and drink from that sweet cup, we'll be surprised of the tastes and the sights and the experiences we really will have. We'll be shocked at what God actually speaks to us because we thought we had God figured out in our theory. But he blows that theory out of the water and now we know personally what the father likes does this make sense <sighs> I want to be swept away man by him in, 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 in his in intimacy and, and, and lastly and I'm done with, with this lastly that was an upper room experience he has this upper room experience where there was a birthing there was life given there's a place in that upper room where that boy and then his mama, because of the upper room experience that her son had, they feasted on the faithfulness of God. Man, God wants us to feast on his faithfulness, man. Feast on his beauty. And that happens in the upper room. The last upper room is the obvious one. It's in the book of Acts. And this is what I wrote down. Acts, they were in an upper room. They were. They were in an upper room, a space where they were contending and longing for something. And this is what I wrote. Those in the upper room in Acts submitted to and laid before the Lord, wanting, hungering for whatever it was that Holy Spirit was about to do. They didn't come in there saying, okay, we're contending for this. They had no clue what was going to happen. And what actually happened blew their mind. That's what happens in the upper room. They didn't know what was going to be done, but waited, longed for, and travailed, waiting with great anticipation. Great anticipation to adore whatever it was that Holy Spirit was going to usher in. May that be present within the church today. Holy Spirit, this is what my heart is. Holy Spirit, may my submission and my today be my upper room. May it create my upper room. Our submission, our hunger, our laying before, like laying before the Lord like a dead man is what makes the things of Christ come alive in that man. 
I exalt you. We sing that song, I exalt thee. Can I tell you something? That song, I exalt thee, is, watch, this is what the Lord said to me about that. Your submission is what really exalts me. So, my heart has been, Holy Spirit, may my submission, my hunger, my laying before you like a dead man. May that create my upper room and I'm here wanting whatever it is you that, whatever it is you want to usher in. Pour out. Do today in me and through me. I'm here longing for it and I'm here travailing for it. Again, I'm going to say I don't want to know in theory, but personally the beauty of the Lord. I'm almost done. I really am. This is what I wrote, and I'm finishing with this. Just as Jesus released the word and calmed the troubled waters and delivered the troubled soul, his words are coming forth to, a bride, to his bride that's seeking him to, uh, to, to wash his bride in this hour. His word that is coming forth in this hour is coming forth like a wave sweeping away the old, the fleshly, and all the lies of the enemy that have been encamped in your souls within the wave is healing, direction, clarity, purity, and breakthrough. That's released in the upper room. Heard a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Does this make sense? Like it, it's the upper room that you create through your hunger and submission and you, this engaging, this embrace of heaven and you embracing heaven. There's an exchange of aromas. You put your filthy maybe smells to him and he puts his beautiful smells on you. There's this exchange and in the upper room and when you feast on true encounters with Holy Spirit, which is what births revelation, can I tell you something? You will leave, watch, you'll step in with a theory, but you'll leave knowing something personally. Ephesians 1.18, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. The way Jesus did it with his disciples wasn't through words, it was through manifestations. The disciples may have entered the upper room with a theory of what Holy Spirit was like and what he would do and what they would experience, but they left with an experience, a personal experience that blew their theory out of the water. It was far greater than what I expect, expected. Why, why, why he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. We come in with our thoughts. We come in with our expectations in worship, in prayer. We come with our theories, but then we truly encounter him in his abundance and we realize, man, my thoughts were so limiting. I'm tired of functioning out of what I think I know about God. I want to start functioning out of what I know about God. Come on, somebody. I want to function out of what I know about God. It's a really nice iPad. You can't have it. That's why I'm getting out. Just like, <laughs> I've had people take my water bottles. I know they would love to take my iPad. But anyways, but like, man, like, I don't want to operate out of what I think I know about him. I want to operate out of what I really know about him. We, me and Danielle were talking about this last night. But you know that scripture, be still and know that I'm God. The be still part really points to this idea, you emptying yourself of you. And know him. Where all of him ah, fills all of where you were. And it comes through supping in the upper room. So I want you to stand with me all over the church if you can.
Oh, it's in the upper room. When you feast in the supper, the banqueting table in the upper room, it's up there. You realize, you see, you encounter, you feast on. Come on, somebody. Things that cause the right things to die and causes the right things to live inside of you. When you feast in the supper in the upper room, can I tell you something? You feast on these encounters with the Lord. The perspectives you had about God that were wrong die. Hello? And the truth of who He is through these encounters that you have personally calls the things of heaven, the things of Christ to truly live. Watch this. You project what you perceive. So can wait, watch this. I got to say this. You project while they get ready to worship. You project what you perceive. Oh, you got to quote that one. You project what you perceive. And can I tell you something? This is the thing that the Lord is showing me. I, when you sup in the up. When you have supper in the upper. Come on, somebody. When you feast at the banqueting table of heaven. And you personally taste how good the spaghetti is. Whoa. You know what happens? Woo. When you start thinking, what happens is the wrong perspectives you have die. And the right perspective so that you have the right projection starts to shine. Come on, somebody. Close your eyes. Father, we want to sup in the up. We want to... Whoa! I heard the Lord say, I'm calling you up to the upper room and it is time to have supper in the upper room. So what we're going to do, I know a lot of you are are, are used to me prophesying over people till 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but it's going to be different right now. We're going to go back into worship for a little bit. I'm going to pray for you guys. We're going to go into worship. And I'm handing the mic back to Pastor Doug and Danielle and them to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, no. But we're going to worship, man, because watch this. God wants to birth revelations. Come on, somebody. In this upper room that we're going to create through our worship and through intercession and prayer. Come on, somebody. And today I just felt like the Lord said, The upper room is a birthing room. It's a supper room. Create a space and let's eat together. Does that make sense? Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we just want to have an encounter with you. Holy Spirit, you show up where you're honored. We lay out the red carpet. Whoa! We lay out the red carpet. We say, Holy Spirit, come. We've made this for you. Come and sit. Come and inhabit this place. Father, I pray for embraces, for kisses, for waves of your love and revelation. Your presence just fall. His revelation is hidden in his presence. Pour out your presence, Lord, and bring revelation to the hearts of men and women that are seeking you right now. Father, we're excited to have supper in the upper right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Ryan.